Jake, you wanna you wanna run us off here? Sure, let's do it. Hi, I'm Jake. I'm Steve. And I'm Peter. And, and we're, we're T11. T11s. First of all, Peter, I can't. Wh- what's the delay with? Like, where? I said all again. What is my problem? <sighs> Anyways. Hey guys. So, hey, Jake. Good to see you. Good to see you. I actually saw Peter. You did. The Gufantis and the Medices and the Giordanos convened at my house this past weekend, and we had a delightful barbecue. And Jake's parents were in town, so Jake's mom made some delicious sausage and peppers. His dad was helping out at the grill. It was just a lovely afternoon barbecue and deuce reunion. It really was. Um, Peter uh, demonstrated to the entire group that he doesn't know how to open a Yeti cooler, which I thought was especially interesting. I went over, I had like burgers in hand, (laughs) go past the cooler. And it's like literally the entire Giordano family is surrounding (laughs) this cooler. And Jesse goes, he doesn't know how to open the cooler. Just two those simple rubber straps. It was like, it was really, it was really stuck. It was like, an engineering feat to get that thing open. And in my defense, my wife also, I think had to ask your wife, Jake, how to do it because neither of us could figure it out. I don't, I don't believe everyone's telling you. You conveniently don't remember that part of the story. I do not remember that part. I don't even think it happened. (laughs) um, With that, Steve, maybe we should, uh, I'll pass it to you. Yeah. 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 Well, I've been told not to say that I'm so excited about this person. They're one of my favorite people from Tuck because like Peter says that has, has degraded all of our, our guests. And so um, I would say this person is the, the top decile of people that I'm excited to have on this show. Um, still much higher than Kenoki and about average for the, the folks so far. This is our first non-American guest, which makes me so happy as the one non-American host of this show. One of our class's best storytellers, which is a great way to tease someone up for success on a podcast to lead off with that, I realized a proud graduate of both Coventry University and the London Metropolitan University. I tried to go uh, learn about their respective sports teams before this podcast, and I found nothing except that London Metropolitan University has a full-size basketball court with scoreboard, as they advertise on their website. And uh, once electrocuted a Lord of the Rings cast member, which is just a great fun fact. To Wait, lead this in with. guest, this guest did, or this university did? The guest did. Peter, the oh. guest did. Obviously, the guest. Did. It was a very unclear transition. Continue. All right. Well, <laughs> off to a running start as always. Dickie Smith, welcome to the podcast. It is fantastic to have you. Thank you very much, guys. It's hey, it's a oh. it's a real honor to be asked. I've got to say. <laughs> You're... Are you just saying that, or is that another one of your lies? <laughs> <laughs> no, I no, I, I I must admit I've been I've been listening to the the first few podcasts. Really enjoyed them. I was in the back of my mind thinking, "Dear God, I hope they don't ask me because the pressure to be interesting is just huge." Well, don't you know, Dicky? Don't worry because you know if one of the things you were worried about was that Alex Gafanti might hear you and think that you were an unimpressive guest. Don't worry about it. Because he hasn't listened to a single episode, so 
Alex, if you hear this part of the podcast, text the three of us immediately, and we're going to keep our entire listenership updated every week as to whether we've heard from you yet. Lines are open. So I have a whole roster of questions for you, Dickie, that I want to dig into, but I want to start off with something a bit separate. So Peter and I both Peloton. Uh, I don't Mm -hmm. know if you do as well, but Peter texts me. Perfect. So you'll be right up on this. Peter texts me a picture of our favorite Peloton instructor. He has his shirt off and it's obvious that this Peloton instructor is just jacked. Can Drew I just give it- ripped from high heavens, like just tremendous shape. No, because there is a lot to unpack. This here. makes it sound <laughs> super weird. Like I'm like creeping on a Peloton instructor for shirtless pics. That's exactly what, I- what it is, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> what I did was I decided to finally follow our favorite Peloton instructor on Instagram. And literally the first picture after I followed, it's like he was trolling me. The first picture that popped up was this absolutely ripped photo of him. And that made me feel like shit after just doing my, you know, 20 minute ride and then realized that, you know, not so great. Ironically, this is the story is not about what Peter and I are texting on the side, but this (laughs) Peloton instructor, Ben, the one at least one british peloton instructor. got it okay he is I, I, jacked. I was just i was worried as to how you were going to make the link into me because it certainly wasn't top topless yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, okay here's, british this got is, it this he's is my british. do you do you yeah. know him dickie yeah he's, he's british. british yeah you see him at no, the I, meetings i know his dad what what can i say <laughs> but this this got me thinking i had this this question and i was curious to get everyone's take on this if you could give up one of your fingers to be jacked for the rest of your life, no matter what you do, would you make that trade? Yes. God, yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you, what you, is you, the you, matter with you? That's a no, hard I mean, no. That is a no. hard no. Hold on. Which finger? And <laughs> do you have to experience the pain of losing the finger or you just wake up and it's gone and you're jacked? I think- Let's start out with the easiest one is you can choose the finger and it's just gone. There's no James Franco 192 hours or whatever. It's like just off. What's your answer, Peter? It sounds like Dickie's a hard yes. Oh, absolutely. But then you're, you're talking to a guy that's like been sort of 20 kilos up, 20 kilos down every other year. So, you know, I'll, I'll take the stability. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's fair. I, I think the answer is probably no. I think I want to keep my digits. Yeah. Really? And it sounds like Steve, it sounds like you've given this thought. And so I mean, this is <laughs> yeah, I thought about little this else. This is literally your leadoff hitter for this <laughs> podcast. We have Dickie Smith, haven't seen the guy in years. And Steve's we're already leading <laughs> off with a question that <laughs> meandered. Steve's already I'm chopped obsessed. off his finger. <laughs> I mean, this fucking question meandered its way to an end that pushed people to a point where they needed to choose between being ripped for the rest of their lives or having all of their fingers. Yeah. I've got to be honest. It is. It sounds like the sort of question that you ask when the conversation gets awkward. Like, yeah. you know, when you're in a, in a bit of a silence yeah. and someone <laughs> that, that is, that is correct. Yes. That's the it's, question. That, and the fact that it's happened so quickly, it's so just, it's I don't tough feel timing. It really, and now the fact that we've all talked about it happening so quickly means I can't even edit it and move it later in the oh, conversation. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jake. Did you have a lot more juice in that cooler story? I'm just, no. <laughs> <laughs> wait, I really want to hear about how you electrocuted a Lord of the Rings star. Was it, 
So, so this is the fact that I trot out when people like you have to go to these interminable icebreaker sessions um, and you need to trot out a fun fact about yourself. Mine is I once electrocuted a cast member of the Lord of the Rings because the setup is so interesting. The reality is a little bit more prosaic. Like I was, um, I'm in, I'm traveling through New Zealand and I'm doing the Mordor tour on horseback. Now the, cast member was the horse okay so now you're thinking oh he electrocuted a horse that's so much better um but the we're on horseback <laughs> we're going across mordor we're stopping we're having a chat about some fantasy nonsense and i'm just looking around and i see a fence next to me and i'm thinking i wonder if that's an electric fence and i thought well one way to find out i'm gonna touch it i was expecting the electric shock the horse that I was sat on was not expecting the electric shock. Bolted <laughs> oh off uh, oh. across across Gosh. Mordor, and I'm gripping on for dear life. And I've managed to bring him back. <laughs> and everyone said, "What's what's what's going on?" Like he's normally so docile. I just went. He just he just went crazy, guys. Um, but yeah, so that's that's my story. That's how I electrocuted a cast member. So Dicky, Tuck. I think is we'd all have to say is, you know, relative to other top MBAs, uh, maybe a little less international um, than let's say Harvard or Stanford, um, partly doing due to its, you know, location, you decided to, to tee up to Tuck from across the pond. How did you get introduced to Tuck and and what was that decision to, to make that trek? So I, I think the glib answer was that they gave me an offer. Um, uh, it was in that sort of Venn diagram of places I wanted to go and schools that wanted me to go there. Um, but the reality <laughs> is, you know, I looked at a, I looked at a bunch of different schools in the US. I'd never lived in the US before. And it was, I was keen to sort of, you know, get that experience, proper US experience and sort of meet a bunch of uh, an international community. But one of the things I, I sort of figured out pretty quickly is if I go to a place like a New York or Chicago or some big city, everyone else, all the Americans are going to know people in that city. And so we're going to go to class together and we'll perhaps go to drinks together, but then everyone's just going to disappear into the city, into their own network. And I'm just going to be probably hanging out with the international kids. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not the experience that I wanted to get. Um, So I thought, well, let's, you know, if I go to Tuck, nobody's from Hanover, New Hampshire. Well, I'm sure someone's from Hanover, New Hampshire, but like everybody was in the same boat that I was and all the other international students were, they were forced to sort of meet people and to get to know each other. And it really sort of helped me um, sort of settle into the, into the community a lot better. Um, Plus it's just such a beautiful place. I thought, you know, two years in the woods, why wouldn't you? That's awesome. I'd never thought about that, but yeah, it is actually a, a strength of, of, you know, there's not the distractions of a bigger. I'm sort I'm surprised that you thought that you would be hanging out with just the international community because you come in with the ultimate weapon, which is an English accent. And I mean, you get away with murder, like literally murder. I feel like, yeah. like if any, we know you as like this one wonderful, delightful person, but if someone was like, Hey, if there's like one member of the class, that's going to, you know, come in and then, you know, 
all of a sudden people start disappearing. And then before you know it, like Nicholas Cage is like an FBI agent investigating the crime. Like you would be the lead suspect in my <laughs> mind for the guy disappearing people. Yeah. It's like, Oh, this guy he seems so nice and jolly. And then, you know, boom, until he, you know, destroys your whole family. I, I, th- I think the accent gives me, it gives me a head start in the U S it probably gives me about five minutes before everyone actually starts listening to the words and we're like, Oh, that guy's actually full of shit. <laughs> can, we, can we swear on this, by the way? I assume we oh, can. Yeah. Oh, how about it? Okay. You broke the seal. <laughs> Wait, so right. Dickie, you, you said that coming to Tuck was the first time you had lived in the United States. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, I never it, lived here before. Okay. And so when you were here for two years, did you make the most of it? I forget where you did your summer. Like, what was it like actually finally being here for an extended period of time? Uh, it was great. I, you know, I, re- I enjoyed it. Um, I, so I did my summer at Bain where I, I met my sort of now wife and, uh, yeah, I, I did a year afterwards at Bain in Boston as well. And I had three great years here in the States and I, I sort of knew I would come back at some point. Um, I knew I didn't sort of get out of everything out of living in the States that I wanted to. Uh, I feel like there's a, you know, despite everything that's going on in, in America, and I guess the whole world in a minute, I think Americans still have that sort of puppy-like air of optimism, which is just so energizing um, to be around. And it's it's that sort of um, it's that sort of energy that encourages me to do things and to try new things and to to have sort of more life experiences, which is you know the the stuff that really excites me. So yeah, I I've, I've really enjoyed living in the states. I'm I'm not a citizen yet. Um, but I do have a green card now, so. And where are you living now, Dickie? And is the plan for you and your family to stay in the states for the long term? Yeah, so I'm living in uh, in Western, in Massachusetts, just outside Boston. And yeah, we've got we've got two kids here, both with American accents, um, which is just heartbreaking. That's a killer. That's yeah. a killer. Um, uh, and a third on the way. So I think. We're- oh, oh wow! Congrats. Congratulations to yeah. you guys. Thanks, Good man. for you. Yeah. Um, How about you know what? That was a Steve Kenning response right there. That level of enthusiasm, which was like a four out of ten about your third child that's about to come. Yeah. He was like, "Oh, thanks, yeah. guys." I'm like shuffling my vasectomy papers off the side of my desk here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't believe we're resetting that clock, but uh, but yeah. yeah. New one look- splashdown in November. So splashdown. <laughs> Are they? So you said that they have American accents. Are they all? American citizens? Yeah. So they, so um, when they were both born in the UK and so they have oh, UK right, okay. passports, but they were registered at the US embassy. Actually, so they actually got US passports before they got British passports because the, the, the American side of the family were very keen to make sure that that bit of administration occurred. Um, right. Yeah. So they are dual citizens. This is something I guess you and I, I share. Is that a, as surreal a moment for you as it was for me sort of seeing your kid like the dawning that your kids are these little americans yeah i mean it, for me it's more it is the accent that gets me because my eldest liza like when she left the uk she had this sort of hilariously adorable british accent um and it was she was like she was like fated upon at every sort of kid's birthday party when she she came over here but it just it went like that um, and yeah now she's she sounds like a proper american and you know, I still love her the same. But 
<laughs> well, I talked to, it's funny, Dickie, I talked to, I know that Ken Fraser is from yeah. T, T, uh, T12 is Scottish, but you talk to Ken and he's like, oh, I, I've forgotten about Scotland. Like America is the greatest, he, like yeah. America is the greatest country in the world. You know, he, he's like, I, you know, I have no desire to go anywhere. Are you similarly like, you know, all in on America or is there still part of your heart that's like back home and that you might, you know, go between the two countries? I think long term, I would like to um, I'd like to sort of be able to bounce around between the countries. But it's not it's for me, it's not so much saying, oh, I'm definitely going to live in the States for the rest of my life. It's more like I'm going to put down roots here, but I'd love to go live elsewhere again. Like um, I've loved living in different countries and you know, experiencing different cultures. And to say that this is the only country I'm now going to live in till for the rest of my life, that's, that's a really depressing thought. It may well, may well be that that's the case. I just don't want to admit it to myself. I'm not, I'm not ready to, to do that yet. I think there's, there's a bit more traveling in us and you know, whether the opportunity presents itself, who knows. Dickie, maybe to jump into to one of the, the, the biggest chunks of things that have happened to you since graduation, Antarctica. Yes. Yep. So I think among our classmates, this is one of the, the coolest, most impressive things. How did the idea come about that, hey, I'm going to walk to the South Pole? When I was in London pre-MBA and you go around to all these like MBA open nights where, you know, you get some you know, finger sandwiches and some cheap wine and they tell you all about the schools, etc. There's you see the same people go to all the different school events. And there was one guy there. Um, Alan, Alan Locke, um, um, who I sort of got chatting with, got friendly with, you know, he's, he's a remarkable, uh, a remarkable guy. Um, and I didn't realize it even just talking to him because he handles himself so well, but he was significantly visually impaired. I got into it and we, you know, we started swapping admissions essays, um, and all that sort of good stuff. Um, and I, I gave him like the biggest achievement essay. I gave him the one about running the London Marathon because, you know, kind of a big deal. And I get his back <laughs> for rowing, being the first visually impaired person to row across the Atlantic. Jeez. And my, wow. my, Wait, he rowed across a, the Atlantic Ocean? Yeah. 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 Him and another shit. guy in a rowing boat. He's visually impaired and he rowed across the Atlantic Ocean. So straight away, my, my first thoughts was not how impressive this guy was. It's how I'm not getting into business school. Um, <laughs> you, had a, you went out on a four-hour run on a nice sunny day in one of the most <laughs> beautiful cities in the world and then got pissed drunk afterwards. Yeah. That was your yeah. major life accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> he has like great white sharks circling yeah. his canoe. And and just so you know, Jake, it wasn't that sunny. It was slightly overcast. Yeah, so, it was overcast, yeah. which is nice. Actually, Good running weather. So that okay. Yeah. So that's that's why you got in then. Yeah. So that's, that, that's um, some adversity. It was overcast. Exactly. <laughs> it's a bit drizzly. It is London. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Um, so yes. But we we got to talking about it even before business school, and we thought, well, we can use the the, the time of business school to to plan it and prep and execute, and we did. For anyone that isn't familiar with exactly what you did, and admittedly, I don't entirely remember all the details, take a quick step back. So it was you and three other people, including the aforementioned friend of yours, and you started somewhere in Antarctica, and your mission was to then trek to the South Pole, which was 570 miles. Miles, yeah. And it was just the four of you? You had guides, you had Sherpas, like, what are we talking about here? 
So it was, the distance was the coast of Antarctica, um, so which is where the landmass starts. So you don't actually see water because it's all then ice and then snow is covering it all. So it's from the coast of Antarctica to the South Pole. And we were setting the record for the first visually impaired person to do that trek. Okay. There's four of us in the team. There was uh, myself, there was Alan, there was Andrew, who was a classmate of Alan's at um, Berkeley. Um, and then there was um, Hannah McKend, who, like, she was a guide. She knew what she was doing, and she had done that trek more than anyone in the world. She'd done that seven times already. Oh, my God. So she, oh. she's wow. legit. You literally walk all day pulling these sleds with your stuff. That's, that's all you're doing. Yeah. We had six hours of marching a day, um, and we would rotate as to who was lead mm-hmm. marcher because you have to do the navigation. Um, so three in the morning, lunch three in the afternoon and then um we would pitch a tent at the the end of the day and of course it's antarctica so there is no real end of the day because it's 24 hours of sunshine but we we stuck to a schedule which was the the time zone that we left in chile um and yeah we just pitched up a tent and then of course when you get inside the tent your tent is the only colored thing um in a big sea of white so all this reflected light and heat is getting absorbed by this one color thing. So it actually warms up quite a bit inside. Mm. So when you're in your tent, it actually, you know, you can strip down to like your base layers and you can be quite comfortable. Sorry, last question. How cold was it outside? So it got down to about minus 40, just minus 45 at some points. Um, Is that Fahrenheit or Celsius? It's both. So minus 40 is where they cross over. So it's minus 40 C is minus 40 F, fun fact. But obviously Peter. Come on, Peter. I mean, come on. Idiot. <laughs> I, mean, I missed the Fahrenheit Celsius day at Harvard. But, um, but uh, yeah, so it, so it, got, it got pretty cold. But the, the real thing was the wind, because that's where you get uh, – that's, that's how you can get frostbites if you have too much exposed skin in the wind. We talked to Steve Hooper about um, – well, Steve Hooper and Jesse about their ride across America – and we got a bit into some of the things you wouldn't expect that you got to deal with when you're doing something of that magnitude for you. I mean, anything like of similar vein of, of the things that might surprise a listener about what has to occur, just what you got to do to, to make it. Yeah. It's, it's so the biggest challenge that we saw was the middle bit of the, of the trek. Um, the first bit is all like, oh, this is exciting and this is new and like we're feeling good and we've got tons of energy. The end bit is like you can see the end and you know where you're going and you just got to last these last few days. But the bit in the middle is just so depressing. And so it's, it's all about, you know, the conversations you have with yourself in your head, um, you know, not wishing to let your team down because we were there as a, as a team of four. And of course, if one of us fails, the whole team fails. Um, and so, you know, that's sort of going through your head. Plus it's also mind numbingly dull. Like you, there's nothing to look at. It's just white and it's flat and it just goes on forever. I saw, I saw a mountain in the distance once and I was staring at it for two days as we oh. went past it. And like, that was my excitement. Um, there's no, there's no penguins because they're all on like the, the, the bit where the ice touches the water, not where we started from, which was, where the, where the land mass physically starts. So we didn't see any wildlife. There's just nothing. The way you're describing it is like, holy shit, I'd want to get out of there, you know, yesterday. Having said that, there is an element of it being 
peaceful sounding, somewhat tranquil. Did you get any of that or am I overthinking this? You did in the early marches of the day when, you know, you're, you're physically rested, you're mentally rested. And actually you can, you can sort of switch your brain to, to custard and just, you know, you just, just zone out and you just go and then an hour has gone before you, you realize, and then you're switching marching positions. Um, but at the end of the day, when like it's cold and you're tired and you're hungry and like the, your, your clothes have like shifted around. So now there's a bit of wind that's getting inside and it's just like daggers, you know, that's, that's when you can't take your mind away from the realities that, that, that was where the mental resilience I think comes in. Wait, is this the, is this like a leave no trace? You're packing your crap out of there too, or can you, everything? So what so we carried everything that we consumed. We had two drops on the way. So an airplane had dropped some stuff that we were navigating to. Um, and we had two of those supply drops, but then all our rubbish and everything came in the polk in the, in the sled with us. Um, we couldn't leave anything. And, and Dickie, it sounds, I mean, it sounds like it's pretty much all business. It's like, don't die, get from point A to point B. Were there ever any, like, you know, get, get the, get the metaphorical guitar out around the campfire and, you know, have a night where we, we hang out and talk or, you know, someone brought a bottle of whiskey or is there any of that on this or is it just purely don't die, get there. So at the end of the day, after the trek, everyone comes into one tent and you, you cook dinner together and, you know, you, you eat food. And that's, that's actually a really fun time because you know you're no more marching. You've got a night of sleep ahead of you and you get a little bit delirious. Um, and so, you know, we had some, we had some like fun because, you know, we were going, we were going a little bit polar mad. It was, you know, it was, um, uh, it was, it was also helped on New Year's when we brought a bunch of whiskey with us, which of course we'd had to lug all the way. <laughs> Um, so we, we felt obliged to drink it, but, um, we did have some whiskey and we found some wine in one of our later supply drops, which was nice. Yeah, it was, there was a bit of fun. There was, it wasn't all business, but yeah, not dying was definitely top of the list of things to do. On that front, did you ever get it like, you know, close to a point where like, Hey, you know what, if, if this thing happens and then this other thing happens, then we might be in a bit of trouble out here. The worst thing that like. We had stuff that happened. Like I had a, like, I had a, a, a blister the size of Lake Windermere on my foot. Um, but it's a blister. I will not die from a blister. <laughs> I got a bit of, I got a bit of frostbite on my face and on my, on my finger, which hurts like hell. But you know, as long as you treat it right and you don't look after it, you know, it's, it's not going to be too serious. Um, you know, we broke poles, we broke skis. Stuff happened. Um, but nothing, for, fortunately, touch wood, nothing life-threatening. How many days did the whole thing take you? 39 days, 43 days on continent. Got it. And mm. so, and you just mentioned skis. I was going to ask you how you guys did this. Were you basically on like cross-country skis the whole time yeah. or snowshoes or what were you doing? Cross-country skis the whole way. Um, and then we had the harnesses to pull the pulks um, behind us. It, you can't, you can't get into a, a, a pretty good rhythm on your skis because of the, the, the sleds pulling you back. Um, but, but what is fun is the different types of snow you see, you know, that was, that was exciting. <laughs> you know, Dickie, it's fun, funny. If I think back of all of our guests, they're all, everyone we've talked to so far has gone through something crazy, like 
Kenoki ran for office. Fran's been in combat. Jesse and Hooper biked across America. Jenny. Eh. Eh. And Erica RV'd with her, you know, mother and family in the middle of COVID. Which is amazing. Did you like learn anything about yourself from this pretty insane experience, Dickie? I, I'm wondering, I, mean, I, I guess that going through that, you might have like personal epiphanies. I don't think I had any personal epiphanies while I was out there. But I think where, why it's helped me is after having done that, um, firstly, I proved to myself that I can do hard things. And I, I've never been great at a lot of things. But one thing I am, I think I am pretty good at is I've got good, like, give it a go. Look at the triathlon club. I ran the triathlon club. Itself. I was a terrible triathlete like, compared <laughs> to like Jay Lewis and Jesse and Hooper. Like I was, a, I was terrible, but I'd give it a go. And it just sort of proved to me that I can stick things out. So when hard things happen later on in life, I can go, well, it wasn't, wasn't as hard as that, that other thing that I did. And so it actually starts to, it starts to put things into a bit of perspective. You've done obviously a lot of pretty interesting things, a lot of physical excursions. Is this Antarctica thing by far the hardest and craziest thing you've ever done? Or are we missing some other absolutely lunatic thing that you've done? Did you know I tried to swim across the English Channel? No. No. Oh, well, there you go. I did yeah, play. I think I did actually. Oh, yeah. well, that was a really, that was a great question, Peter. <laughs> well, so oh, the reason I say, <laughs> oh my God. But again, like, Dickie, you, can, can I just say, can I just say like a quick, quick thing? So we got a, a text from Vess this week. It was such a lovely yeah. text. And she's like, guys, I love the podcast. Jake's just got the funniest like quips. Steve, you're just the scapegoat for everything. I was like, oh, okay. And then she's like, Peter just asked the best questions. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. If I have to hear <laughs> one more person talk about how great Peter's questions are, I'm going to walk off a bridge. Anyways. Peter is really good at this. I've, oh, I must have been here. He's the best. He, like, you, could, you should do this. No, we're so lucky, Dickie. <laughs> <laughs> And also, Jake, your voice, like the like the gravelly tones, like that, oh, that God. I think really gives it some some gravitas as well. Check is in the mail, Dickie. Yeah. I appreciate it. All right, quick, Dickie. Now come up with a compliment for Steve. Um, Steve has got a really professional-looking microphone on the Zoom screen. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely savage. No, All right, Steve, Steve, Steve is the funny. Steve is the funny. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Plowing ahead. Wait, uh, English Channel, tell us about this. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't talk about it because we we got fished out, but we were doing a relay. So we're trying to swim the 22 miles from England to France. And it's me and Alan, again, plus uh, another friend of ours. Um, and we're plodding through the water and we got like 14 hours into it. So it's like pitch black, middle of the night, we are going painfully slow but of course it doesn't matter because it's not a race we'll just sort of get there when we get there but then the weather started to turn um every, everyone like because it's a relay you're either in the water or you're on the boat so the boat's going up and down everyone on the boat is like hurling and just you know making a mess everywhere and then when alan's in the water um the way we could see him because he couldn't see the boat 
Um, so the boat had to sort of stay in view of Alan. And we, we put those little um, glow sticks on Alan while he was swimming so that we could see Alan, see Alan in the water. But the weather was getting so bad that the boat was getting lifted up and splashing down really close to him. And the captain sort of called it and said, this is too dangerous. So we got all got fished out of the water and nobody was sad about that. <laughs> like everyone was like, oh, we can go back now and to something that's stable. Yes, we'll do that. Um, <laughs> we, we failed, um, but it was it was fun to try, but I'm still not a particularly strong swimmer. And now a word from our sponsor. We're T11s is brought to you by Stinson's Country Store, serving Hanover and the Upper Valley since 1979. Special this week, Stinson's has 30 can cases of Keystone Light for $14.99, factory reject ping pong paddles from the Guangzhou Paddle Concern at four for $2.99, and at checkout, pick up some tiny bottles of Estonian schnapps that'll melt your taste buds clean off. Podcast listeners, use the promo code WeRT11s to get 10% off a case of plastic pong cups that aren't sold at another store anywhere in America. Stinson's. No matter what you're buying, it feels a little illegal. Now back to the show. So Dickie, our careers unexpectedly converged a little bit. You leave consulting and you join Uber. Yeah. Tell us a bit about that. Sure. So, uh, yeah, joined Uber, um, 2014. Um, I was, I think I was employee number 15 or something in our UK office. Um, and of course it, Uber was this thing that no one had really heard of in the UK at this time. It was just, it was an American thing. Um, and then, and, but the week I joined in Uber was the week that the London taxi drivers all went on strike to protest this new American startup that was coming in and making rides accessible at the push of the button and a third of the cost of black cabs. And that's what the newspapers led with. Push of the button, third of the cost of black caps. And so bookings like boomed 850% <laughs> that week. It was the best marketing we could have wished for. Um, Talk about no that, press is bad press, right? Dick? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So like, I was thrown into this and it just was crazy. And I, I, you know, I just wanted a seat on the rocket ship. And the thing that they needed was someone to look after support. Um, I had no clue what that was. But I said I'd do it, um, and I figured it out. Made a bunch of mistakes on the way, but yeah, we built the we built the support business for Uber in Emea for for both the rides and the eats business as well. Dicky, I was asking Jenny this because Jenny, part of Jenny's portfolio at Framebridge is is CX, and I was asking her if that experience has informed her view of just people and humanity because by de- design and by its you know nature, you're dealing with people who are having a bad time and, and are usually very angry. And she was saying yeah. the nature of Framebridge as a business is very different. It's like, you know, you lose something of, of a customer, they're sad, they're not mad, they're just like, you know, upset, you've lost a, a priceless heirloom. Our, our lives are a bit different where you just deal with rip shit, pissed people. I'm wondering, you know, how that experience has been. Has it changed or influenced how you look at people in general? It's like the, the thing when you work in support, and Steve, I'm sure you've had the experience of this as well. When you're leading the teams, you see the outlier cases. You see those people that are so mad and so crazy and so off the deep end about whatever issue it is that it sort of bubbles up to you and you go, huh. But the reality is there's a, the vast majority of people actually just want what they paid for. Like they just want the service. And they're quite within their rights to get pissy when they don't get that. And so our job is actually really simple. It's fix the problem 
fix it well and fix it quickly. You do that. Actually, you can create a lot of um, sort of loyalty and advocacy for your brand because the trust goes up because you can you can sort of you do what you said you were going to do. I want to let Dickie have his ice cream or whatever he's eating right now. And by the way, it is. What is it? Crumble and custard. Blueberry crumble (laughs) with custard. Is is custard? Do you like have? Pudding? Do you still have like English names for it? It's like, oh, this yeah. is Tibbly Bibbly's. Like, right, yeah, like <laughs> Crumbly like, Custard. Like, what the yeah. fuck is that? How many horses do you have out in the yard right now? <laughs> I, I find that a little offensive, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I know. Really you know what I find offensive? And like, you don't need to be Angel Lansbury to figure this one out. Peter is looks like he's sitting on a toilet right now. <laughs> like I don't know. Is that a, like, is that a shower f- curtain? I am I'm I'm in the bathroom right now. You know, we're in a New York City apartment and one of our daughters sleeps in a bedroom that's literally right off the living room. So I could not do this in our living space. And I wanted to give my wife the bedroom because she had some stuff she needed to do in there. And nowhere else for me to go or I won't wake up either of the kids that are sleeping in bedrooms on opposite ends of the apartment. So I'm in the bathroom. This is high budget. <laughs> we don't have any ad dollars. So, yeah. I mean, if whoop is looking for a podcast in which to advertise on that attracts <laughs> zero professional athletes, I mean, we could be, you, you should, you should speak to our uh, marketing team, John Sullivan. <laughs> so you work at whoop now, which is, yeah. Uh, you know, ultra high growth, incredible wearable business based out of Boston. And you work directly with good friend and all around great person, John Sullivan. Um, But accolades aside, I do want to know what it is like to work with John Sullivan. Are you guys working directly with one another? Are you guys like on different teams? So we're on we're on different teams, um, but I get to I get to be in a, a few meetings with Sully, and it, it's it's like he has not changed a bit. Like I, you can still he's still sort of super chill um, and great fun to be around, and like just an all round awesome human. The, um, no, so, I will say yeah. the last time I saw him, he had a man bun. He was wearing a man bun. Down. Does he still have the man bun? Is he allowed to wear that in the office? He, he's been at Whoop long enough. He can do whatever the heck he wants. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and he, is, he is rocking it. You know what's so bad about that is I'm sitting here thinking about Sullivan with a man bun. And I'm in my head, I'm like, oh, I bet it's pretty cool. <laughs> and, and I'm like, fuck, I wish I had hair. You know? <laughs> Jake, would you give one finger? For a full John Sullivan head of hair. You know what I would. Yeah, see, everyone's got one. It's all about (laughs) scarcity value. There it is. Fuck John Sullivan's hair. Ah, well, I guess that's it. Well, so Dickie, what are you doing at Whoop? Tell us what you're up to. So I'm uh, I'm leading our membership services team at Whoop, which is the essentially a support operation, scaled scaled operations um, at Whoop. And it's, it's really nice to be at a company that values support so highly because when I, when I was at Uber, it was all about this cost envelope that you have to fit in and support was this thing that costs money. So make your support, you know, reasonably good, but most importantly, cheap. Um, but at Whoop, because we're a subscription product, uh, you know, 
our big metric is retention as well as growth. And the support is part of the product. Like people expect recurring value. So for me, I'm not in a cost envelope anymore. I'm in a value envelope. And like, how can I provide more value to our members through the support offerings, through doing some proactive support or community work or whatever. Um, and it's really great because people want to invest in that part of the business. So it's wonderful. I, I really, I'm really enjoying it. We have a reunion coming up in basically a year from now. Um, can we expect to see uh, your shining face there? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I've, I've booked my hotel. Um, I was on, I was onto the Hanover Inn within half an hour of the email coming out. Cause I knew it was going to be busy and yeah, I'm booked in. I'm there. I'm it's happening. Awesome. Can't wait. I'm so far behind. You're going to like dog sled your way up there. It's going to be <laughs> you and Alan and two other dudes dog sledding up to Hanover. Okay. God. Well, you look great Dickie and we certainly miss you and we're very happy that you, um, that you accept, I mean, especially an invitation coming from Steve, that's a 50, 50. Um, but we're happy that you accepted the, the offer to come on. Oh, thank you for asking. Me. Yeah, Dickie, it's been awesome to, to catch up, man. And, uh, I, you know, it's a shame that it's so far out. It's like, you know, almost a year away to get back up to Hanover, but, uh, I've heard so far zero people saying they won't be there. So, uh, can't wait to, to get us all back together and, uh, and thanks again. And, uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Dickie. Thanks, Dickie. See you, Dickie.